Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may, you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're very grateful for the opportunity to be together. We're going to be looking today at Romans chapter 7, verse 4, the passage that was read just a moment ago. Before we begin, we want to express appreciation to those of you who may be visiting. As always, we encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're very thankful for the many visitors that come our way from week to week. It is our prayer that the time that we spend together on a regular basis will be beneficial and encouraging to all. In Romans chapter 7 at verse 4, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Do you remember what happened on 9-11? in 2001. For many of us, the events that transpired on that day are forever etched in our minds. Sadly, there may be some who have already forgotten the events that occurred on that day and that began to alter the course of the nation that we love. For some, the memories that we reflect upon from 9-11. We're reminded of the freedoms and the blessings that we so richly enjoy in this nation and how quickly things can change. For others, it may be business as usual. You know, in the marital relationship, it's very easy to begin taking for granted the life that we enjoy together. There are some who enter the marital relationship with joy, satisfaction, only to allow time to lead to separation and sometimes even divorce. Sadly, there are some who begin taking their mates for granted. I remember hearing some years ago a gospel preacher make the statement that if you have a good wife, get down on your knees and give God thanks. And I think equally so, if you have a good husband, you ought to get down on your knees and give God thanks. Just as it is easy for us to once again take for granted this nation and begin business as usual, forgetting the events that transpired on 9-11. It's easy to forget the blessings and the ideals of marriage. Spiritually speaking, you and I are said to be married to Christ. And again, just as it's easy for us to forget the blessings associated with living in America, just as it's easy to forget what occurred on 9-11, just as it's easy to forget the marital relationship that we enjoy in a very special way where God has bound the husband and wife together, it's easy for us to forget the relationship that we forged with Christ when we obeyed the gospel. 
And so today I want us to think for just a moment about the question. Are we taking our mate for granted? I'm not talking about that physical union that we enjoy and that we call marriage. But I'm talking about that spiritual union, that marriage to Christ that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7 at verse 4. Because I believe it's easy for us as the people of God to take our mate for granted. Our mate being Jesus Christ. With that in mind, let's just begin by talking about our marriage relationship to Christ. And then we're going to think in the second place about monitoring that relationship to Christ. What about our marriage relationship to Christ? Well, when you talk about marriage, typically before two individuals are united in marriage, there is what's called a courtship. And during that courtship process, people begin to get to know one another. A young man and a young woman, or a man and a woman, they begin dating or courting. And throughout that process, they develop a friendship. They begin to learn about one another. And it's during this courtship that they begin to decide whether or not they want to spend their lives together. Spiritually speaking, in order for us to come to Christ, there has to be what might be called a courtship. Now, when we talk about this courtship to Christ, first of all, we have to learn about Him. How do we learn about Him? Well, you remember in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus also said in John chapter 6, it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. He said, every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. So we have to learn about the Lord. We have to to learn about who He is and what He is and what He has done for us. And then we have to make the decision. Are we going to live for Him? And if we live for Him, we will live with Him. Now, Jesus again said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a decision that we must make. Just like when two individuals are dating, and as they begin that courtship process and begin learning about one another, their likes and dislikes, wants, desires, goals, aspirations in life, well, We have to learn about the Lord. Once we learn about Him and once we begin putting all the pieces together, then we decide whether or not what we read about Him is true and believable and thus if it's something that we want to become a part of. Now, granted, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus can provide us with an abundant life. And sometimes when a young man and woman will begin that dating process, the young man will say, I can provide adequately for you. I will do my very best to be a provider in the home. And I'll protect you and I'll see that your needs are met. Well, that's what the Lord does for us. So first of all, there is this courtship to Christ, and then there is 
conversion to Christ. Once you and I learn about the Lord and once we make the decision as to whether or not we're going to live for Him, then it's up to us to obey the gospel. When we obey the gospel, what happens? Well, the Bible says we enjoy forgiveness. On Pentecost Day, Peter instructed those who had heard the first gospel sermon. The Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. They cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And so there is the promise of the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins. Now, in Acts twenty-two sixteen, Paul, when he recounted his conversion to Christ, said that Ananias instructed him to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins. And so when we are converted to Christ, we enjoy forgiveness. That forgiveness is based on the blood of Christ, which takes away every sin. And then what happens? Well, we enjoy a sense of fellowship. We are called into fellowship with God. We become a part of the family of God. For example, when Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. When you obeyed the gospel, what happened? You were ushered in to a whole new union. That is, you now enjoy fellowship with deity. Think, for example, what John said in 1 John chapter 1. When he talked about the Christ and how they had seen the Christ and heard Him and touched Him, that He was indeed a real person. He said, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. When you obey the gospel, you enjoy fellowship with deity. You are a part of the family of God. Paul talks about the household of God in 1 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 15. And so, in looking at Romans chapter 7 at verse 4, Paul said, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Who then are you married to? Well, you become married to Christ. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, Jesus serves as the head. Much like in, well, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, Paul draws a relationship, or an analogy rather, between the relationship existing between that of the husband and wife and Christ and the church. Just as the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church, and He is said to be the Savior of the body. So when you obeyed the gospel, you became married to Christ. All right? Having said that, how then are we going to monitor that relationship to Christ? Well, certainly it's worth assessing our relationship with the Lord from time to time in order to have... A well-run marriage, certain things need to happen. You have to exercise care. You have to nurture that relationship. Now really there are two possibilities. When we talk about a physical union between two people, you can either nurture that relationship or you can neglect that relationship. Spiritually speaking, the same is true. You can either nurture your relationship to the Lord or you can neglect your relationship to the Lord. 
Well, what about nurturing our relationship to the Lord? We have been married to Christ. All right, if we are married to Christ, what are some things that are going to allow us to draw closer to the Lord? Well, bear in mind, in order for this relationship to be nurtured and to be what it ought to be, we have to stay close to Him. We have to stay close to the Lord. Just like in a marital relationship, the husband and wife have to stay close to one another. You know, Moses in the long ago talked about how a man would leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Jesus said the two shall become one flesh. And so there is a forging together, a cementing process, a union that occurs. That's what happens when we become a Christian. We are united with Christ. We become a part of His body. We are said to be married to Him. All right, how then do we nurture this relationship? Well, just like in a good marriage, first and foremost, there has to be commitment. In other words, we have to commit our lives to one another. When you, if you're married, when you stood before the person who performed your marital ceremony, whether it be a whether it was a preacher or justice of the peace or whomever, it might have been the case that one of the things that they said was taken from Matthew 19, verse 6, where Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not men put asunder. And the idea here is that we are entering into the marital relationship with a sense of permanency or commitment, that we're going to try to, to be in this thing together until death do us part. Well, when you obeyed the gospel, what were you saying? You were saying, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I surrender all. You are my everything. You're saying, I'm in this thing until death. You remember what Jesus said in Revelation 2 at verse 10? Be faithful until death. That is, in the face of death, be faithful. I will give unto you a crown of life. That is, the Stephanos, the victor's crown. Jesus also said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so, emphasis on commitment, committing our lives to the Lord, saying that we are obeying the gospel, we're in this thing until death. That's why when a person obeys the gospel, that old life of sin is said to be done away, destroyed. That old man has died. That old person of sin that people may have known, he or she is gone, and thus a new person emerges. So there is commitment. And then also there is what might be called charity or love. Every good marriage is undergirded by love. We talk about the principles of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And one of the things that Paul said, love endures all things. It bears all things. Well, there's a sense of love that undergirds our relationship to the Lord. Now, John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. If you and I truly love the Lord, we're going to show that. How do we show it? By the way we live. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John said, this is the love of God that you keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5 at verse 3. And so we are demonstrating or showing our love for one another. If you're, in, if you're in a marital relationship today, how do you demonstrate your love for your mate? Well, it's not just verbally, but rather it's also in the way you live, in the way you act, 
It's demonstrated by the way you talk to one another. John talks about in 1 John chapter 3 that we're not to love in word only, but in deed and truth. It's not enough to just say, I love you. You've got to prove it. You've got to show it. And if you do that, guess what? You have a good marriage. You'll have the kind of marriage that God wants for you. When we, when we talk about being married to Christ, we have to demonstrate true affection and love for the Lord. If people do not really love the Lord, they're not going to stay faithful to Him. That marital relationship is not going to be what it ought to be. Now the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. Now God wants us to love Him. When I think about people who become Christians, who obey the gospel, I understand the importance of reminding and reinforcing certain truths. And I understand that a person begins that relationship as a babe in Christ, and then there is a growth that is ongoing. But it's a lot easier to encourage people to do right if they have the right kind of heart and if they truly love the Lord than if they just have no interest, if their, if their love for the Lord is waning. In Revelation chapter 2, when the Lord assessed the church at Ephesus, one of the problems, he said, you have left your first love. If love is not undergirding your marriage to the, to the Lord, then problems are going to occur in your spiritual life. And then there is a third thing that has to take place. If we're going to nurture our relationship to the Lord, then we have to have communication. Communication is a two-way street. We talk about the marital relationship. It's not enough to just have a one-sided conversation. If, if the husband is reading the paper and the wife's trying to talk to him and he's just nodding his head or whatever, not paying attention, that's not communicating. It takes both the husband and wife verbally talking or verbally interacting with one another. Well, what about from a spiritual standpoint? We have to spend time praying to God, offering Him supplications. Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving in Colossians 4 at verse 2. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, pray without ceasing. You want to have a good relationship to the Lord? Then spend time on your knees to God. Be a person of prayer. But I said that Communication is a two-way street. Yes, we need to pray to God. Yes, we need to offer Him supplications. But equally so, we need to spend time in the Scriptures. When we pray, we're talking to God. When we read the Word of God, He's talking to us. Don't you love what the psalmist said? That he meditated on the law of Jehovah, and on that law he meditated day and night in Psalm 1-2. Or when he said in Psalm 119, 97, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. What was he saying? He was saying that he allowed the Word of God to permeate his life. He absorbed the Word of God into his heart, into his mind. He made it a part of him. That's the way it is with any good relationship. There has to be communication. If you want to be a, a strong, faithful, productive mate, spiritually speaking, 
You've got to spend time on your knees in supplication to God. And you've got to spend time studying the Scriptures. Now, having said that, what about neglecting our relationship to the Lord? Is it possible to neglect our relationship to the Lord? Well, the answer to that would be yes. Just as surely as we can nurture that relationship, we can neglect it. Well, how do we neglect our relationship to the Lord? Let me just give you some ways that that can occur. And I want to begin by just saying this. Let's just imagine, let, let's just say that, that everyone here is married, including our young people. And you set a date for 7 o'clock on Friday night to meet you at a certain restaurant. And you get your best clothes on, you're excited, you go to the restaurant, and your mate is a no-show. How would you feel about that? What would you think? I mean, they just decided they didn't want to come. They just decided that it really wasn't that important. I mean, you've made reservations at a nice restaurant. You've cleaned up, dressed up. You're ready to go. You're there at 7 o'clock. You're waiting. No show. How would you feel? Let me just ask this. Have you ever been stood up? You ever been stood up? One of the ways we can neglect our relationship to the Lord is we can stand Him up on Sunday. Every first day of the week, the Lord is here. We may not be here, but the Lord is here. Now, I dare say any of us would ever even entertain the idea of standing our mate up. Why? Because we love them. Because we want to be with them. Because that's what makes us happy. I mean, we mark that date down in the calendar. Why is it we're so focused, physically speaking, on that marital relationship or making that mate happy, hopefully, and we're going to be there come what may at 7 o'clock on Friday night to make that date, Sunday morning comes, and we're a no-show. How do you think the Lord feels? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact that maybe you have stood the Lord up on Sunday? Maybe you stand Him up on Sunday night. Maybe you stand Him up on Wednesday night. He's here. He's ready. It's not Him. Maybe us, but not Him. A second way we can neglect our relationship to the Lord. Stay out of the Scriptures. Again, we talk about communication. If it's important to communicate with your physical mate, it's important to communicate with the Lord. How does the Lord communicate to us? He doesn't verbally talk to us. There's not some still, small voice in the night but rather we read His Word. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
We like to eat. We eat three times a day, seven days a week, year in and year out for the most part. Well, if you're not feeding on the Word of God, you're neglecting your relationship to the Lord. I can promise you, your flame for the Lord will begin to fade. And your faith in Him will fail. Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. The only way that you can maintain a strong and active faith, stay in the Word. There's a third way, and that's just stop offering supplications. Just quit praying. If you want to neglect your relationship to the Lord, just don't pray on a regular basis. Some people, they only pray when they need something or when a crisis occurs. Well, is that the way you treat your mate? How do you think your mate would feel if, if the only time you ever talked to him or her was when you wanted something or when you needed something? Otherwise, not a word. How would you feel about that relationship? Would you be happy living in that kind of, of a marriage? I mean, would you be happy coming home every night to a husband or wife who would not say one word unto you unless some, something came up and they just needed something from you. I need this or I need that or I've got a crisis here and you've got to bail me out here. Well, the fact of the matter is we want more than, we expect more than that in a relationship, don't we? Don't you think the Lord, don't you think He deserves more of our time in prayer? Let me give you a fourth way we can neglect our relationship to the Lord. And that's just scuttle our service or scratch our service to Him. Are we involved in the work of the church? Are we doing what we know we ought to do for the cause of Christ? Paul said we've been created in Christ Jesus under good works in Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are to be zealous for good works according to Titus chapter 2 at verse 14. We are to be ready unto every good work, Titus 3 at verse 1. Christianity, Christianity is built upon service. A well-oiled marriage consists of a husband and a wife who are willing to serve one another, who are willing to give 100% working together for the well-being and good of the other. You show me a good marriage and I'll show you two people that want to serve one another. They're not keeping score. They're not trying to decide who did this and who did that, etc. But rather they're working together. Serving one another in love. Well, That's what we need to be doing for the Lord. Serving Him in love. Now let me just ask this question. Are you taking your mate for granted? It's easy to take your physical mate for granted. There are a lot of people in marriages today, they have and are taking their mates for granted. Just like there are people in our country today, they take the freedoms that we enjoy for granted. They've long since forgotten about 9-11. They don't think anything else about it. It's over, done with. For some it's not, but for some it is. Spiritually speaking, are you taking your mate for granted? 
Or is your relationship with the Lord what it ought to be? Only you can decide. The Bible says we've been married to Christ. And we are to bear fruit to God. That's the goal, is to be productive, fruitful in the vineyard of Christ. We close today by asking this question. Have you been married to Christ? If you haven't been married to Christ, that means you haven't obeyed the gospel. What would you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess His name and be buried with Him in a watery grave of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 22, verse 16. And then you need to be faithful. Now please listen very carefully. Sometimes folks become married to the Lord and they become unfaithful. In the physical realm, in that physical union, a husband or wife might become unfaithful. And that innocent spouse has the prerogative as to whether or not he or she will take that mate back. Should they forgive them? Absolutely. But they have the right to decide whether or not they'll take that mate back. If you commit spiritual adultery, here's the beauty. God will take you back. He will forgive you. He will restore you. But you have to repent. You've got to come home. John said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?